Welcome to Musical Osmosis, where intelligent dissonant thought meets melodic euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Saurus, broadcasting as always from Meth Mountain, Tennessee. My illustrious co-host Odell is not with us tonight, but I cannot do these shows without my manically magnificent producer, the beans to my cornbread, Mrs. D. Maven. Oh my god, that is so cute. Like, I can't even... And for those of you out there who wonder if internet love works, well, we met online and beans and cornbread was the subject line in the email he sent or the message he sent me. And I was like, what? Beans and corn? What the heck? And then he was, you know, he was awesome and normal and whatever. Well, not normal. Normal? What? (laughs) Wait, are you talking about someone else? Are you two-timing me? I don't know no normal, Nick. (laughs) But he was... And not a serial killer. How's that? Um, <laughs> serial killers tend to get up before noon. That's that's true. But no, uh, yeah, that's that was cute. That's cute. I like I'm that. Too lazy to be a serial killer. Yep, you got you it. You are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Odell is gone. He'll be back next week. But Odell yes. was in the middle of writing a review. Why would he be writing an album review? What would possess this man to do such a thing? Well, probably because our new site, musicalosmosis.com is now up and open for business, y'all. Woo! Uh, yeah, super-duper easy to find. Musicalosmosis.com. You can find album reviews. You can see what's on our playlist this week. And we will also be adding many other nifty, nifty things uh, in the future. Just head on over there and check us out and subscribe. All and- our podcasts are over there. I just put up um, mm-hmm. the Al Pist video that I did. The interview I did with Al Piss, we're going to have more video interviews. We have an yes. artist spotlight. This week is Haley Crusher from Haley and the Crushers. So any little tidbits you'd like to know about Haley Crusher, you can go on our site and read that as well. So we're expanding the brand, and I'm only focusing on, instead of doing 12 different types of podcasts, I'm just focusing on just music. Let's see how that works. Yeah. And instead we'll of people one. going... I couldn't find tincanmedia.com. Yeah, it's just musicalosmosis.com. Yeah, we actually have a .com instead of a .media, so people aren't totally confused on how to get there. That's right. We we conformed. We assimilated. We have been assimilated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now being assimilated and conforming is not cool. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? Now the world's alt-side down. Yes. Speaking of alt-sides, 
No, I don't know if that works or not. Uh, coming up on musicals. If you nod your head and smile, anything works. It's there like theater go. clash. Just don't acknowledge you made a mistake. That's the right. audience knows nothing. Yes, and coming this month uh, on Musical Osmosis, you can hear Ellen Kempner from Palehound joining us next week. And the week after, uh, Kelly Mayo from one of my new favorite obsessions, Skating Polly. Yeah, she was on your playlist this week. I finally she found was. a band that you're equally obsessed with. Usually, mm-hmm. the stuff I listen to is not much crossover with the stuff you listen to. No, there's not a whole whole lot of crossover. There's been like, I can count them on both hands. Um, but yeah, Skating Polly's. I, I can't wait to talk to her because she's just just cool. Are you going to fangirl out finally? No, no you haven't fangirled out since like Jamie Farr or something. Margot Kidder, maybe. Uh, I don't know. No, no, no. Okay, don't go <laughs> into NPR mode. Let's get today's guest in here. Today's guest is a musician, filmmaker, and business savvy creator of Divine Magic and Fourth Dimensional Soundscapes. Her music project, Zarina, will transport you to a cyberpunk kaleidoscope of hope and human connection. And her marvelous music videos will shift your perceptions and alter your digital reality. A true visionary of cosmic proportions. Welcome Vero Faye, otherwise known as the radiant mind behind Zarina. Vero, hello. Hi. Hello. How's how's it going? Welcome to the show. We've made it through another day of Trump world, and I'm happy to weaponize some creativity here and chat with you about the amazing mind-altering stuff that you do. I swear, I I feel like you and your husband are from the future. (laughs) Yeah, it it certainly does feel like that sometimes. (laughs) I wish we were from the future. (laughs) Yeah, I was looking at a bunch of um, your videos and, along with you and your husband. It's um, Kauai, right? Is that how you say it? Deadly Kauai? Yeah, Deadly Kauai. That's his um, artist name. His full name is Carlos Kitsune. Nice. And I'm watching all the work you guys do. And once again, it's like, are they from the future? Do they belong at you know, Professor X's school for gifted mutants? Are they the next step in the evolutionary chain? Because just the way that you approach to create a process, and I know a lot of this has to come from coming from the fashion world as well, but the way that you approach everything is so slick and has such a great veneer to it, it is almost like you've traveled back in time to entertain me. Uh, yeah, well, we definitely um, you know, were inspired by a lot of the 80s techno films, actually, like uh, Blade Runner, uh, Total Recall. <laughs> um, we pull out all references um, aesthetically. And also, like, when I'm making music, um, I actually got into uh, Synthwave um, because I rediscovered Vangelis, <laughs> um, who was the composer for Blade Runner. And I thought, wow, like, you know, he he created something back then that still sounds so fresh to this day. And so a lot of our world um, kind of stems from that. And uh, Carlos or Deadly Kawaii and I are also big fans of animes. Like we grew up watching a lot of Japanese animes and, you know, a lot of like mechas and robots. And we definitely have a lot of that aesthetic mixed in with what we do. We just, you know, just love nerding over all kinds of um, uh, tech savvy, like futuristic, vibey type of um 
themes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And it's funny, too, because everything's connected. And I know one of your videos was kind of based on Blade Runner. I actually work for William Sanderson, who played J.F. Sebastian. Oh, wow, cool. That's in the Blade Runner movie. <laughs> so it is kind of all full circle. Let me tell you a quick story, too, speaking of the future. When I was a kid, I was a very lonely, nerdy kid. We lived way back in the middle of nowhere. And I didn't have any friends, but I did have a toy robot named 2XL. And it's this little robot, and you put, this is in the 70s, you put cassette tapes, or not even cassettes, they were A-tracks. You put A-tracks tapes into this thing, and it has an ABCD button, and you play games with it and trivia and stuff. And I had a bunch of these different tapes, and one of the tapes I had was about sci-fi. And in the sci-fi tape, he'd be like, hello, this is 2XL broadcasting from the future. And in between the trivia questions and the little intermissions he would play this futuristic sounding music that i had never heard before right just really like synthesized futuristic music and when i was checking some of your stuff out it, your futuristic music actually made me feel nostalgic for the 2xl days because your music sounds exactly what i thought music would sound like when i was this age back when I was a little kid. Oh, wow, that's cool. Do you still have that toy? <laughs> no, but you could go online and play um, <laughs> an online simulator, 2XL simulator, so I could go online, because now if you want to buy them on eBay, they're like 500 bucks yeah. to buy one, because they're a classic. Right. But um, yeah, but you could go on to an online simulator and play them, so you could still go on there and kind of recapture your youth by playing that. But it's so funny because a lot of that music in those old 2XL sci-fi, there's two different versions of it, sounded kind of like what you're producing now, like in that same synth-pop vein, way before anybody even heard that term. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think there is a uh, this a definitive new wave of um, nostalgic music that's really permeating into the mainstream consciousness, uh, which is really cool. And I think like shows like Stranger Things, like really help, you know, propagate that, which is, you know, I mean, I'm, I was born in the 80s, like, you know, I, I had an 80s, like, you know, childhood, and then 90s, kind of like young teenage, like, you know, teenage years. And somewhere in between that, I really, like, you know, there's something special about those years. And I try to go back and, um, and I started with, 80s nostalgia type of music and then now kind of like crossing over into the early 90s with like a little bit more of the cyberpunk type of themes um and 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 i think there there are a lot of people out there who kind of want to hear that back and kind of just like you know they're able to relate to that because you know these are things that i don't know it, it, it definitely has a special moment and um it's it's kind of like that analog childhood and digital adulthood type of thing. That's a great um, way to put it. Of, yeah, like there's something fun and quirky about that. And because now everything is just like so advanced and everything's so, everything's so immediate. Like, you know, we're like all spoiled by like, you know, what's available to us. And, and I feel like there are things back in the day that, you know, things that were rare that we don't always have access to. And then going back to that, to those special moments, I think, I think that's really, really cool. And then if there's a way to convey that through art and through music, I think it's, it's fantastic. 
Well, you know, so this is something I often wonder. Two things. One thing I've said on this show before. If you went into a 20-year coma any time in history, if you went into a coma in 1870 and woke up in 1890, you would get it. If you went into a coma in 1930 and woke up in 1950, you would get it. Imagine going into a fucking coma in 1999 and waking up today. Who's president? Everyone's staring into their phones. What's good? Like, you, your brain would not be able to comprehend it. You would just, you would be, it's like they say to um, Native Americans when the pilgrims used to pull up in ships, or even before that, really, Columbus and everybody else, they would just see pilgrims kind of just walking out of the water because their native brain had no frame of reference to comprehend what these ships were. So it wouldn't register. And I just feel like if you woke up today from the 90s, you would you would even be able to see you would be blindsided by so much because you'd be like oh my god I don't how could this have happened in twenty years this is like a hundred years crammed into twenty years mm-hmm. <laughs> things are moving too fast for this old man I'm right I'm about a decade behind you I was born in the seventies um, so here's the other thing I was trying to get at I every night I go to bed and I watch shows I fall asleep watching DVDs of TV shows that I watched as a kid. Welcome back, Carter, WKRP, Night Court, Odd Couple. Do, do we look backwards like the Stranger Things and um, the Kids All Right? That's another show that's on about the 80s, 70s. Are we looking back at that because this age is just so chaotic? Or do you think people in the 60s are like, I like to reminisce about the Great Depression. Maybe we'll go to a soup kitchen this weekend. <laughs> or do you think it's because things are so fucked up now, we all want to be introspective and be retrospective because of how chaotic the world is now, we can't process it. I think, yeah, I think for sure that has a lot to do with it. You know, I feel like um, also going back to those times, like, you know, we were all kids, you know, and in a way, you know, it was a safe space, right? And I feel like a lot of, a lot of people, especially nowadays, are just looking for that, you know, what is something that, uh, it's almost like a common denominator, like, you know, people I actually had this meditation session recently where I was asked um you know uh, what was um the happiest moment or go or I was asked to go back to the happiest moment of my life and when was that or where and I went back to a time where you know I was I think I was six or seven years old and I just learned how to ride a bike and and then I had this little bike gang in my neighborhood, and and it was it was interesting that I went back to that time and I thought, wow, that was probably one of the happiest moments of my life. Where I was did your bike gang around. have a name? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh man, I don't think we were that cool to have a name, <laughs> but but it was. Uh, but it, it, I I remember being the only girl, and there were like maybe seven other boys with me and then um and one of the craziest things we've done was um we so this was um this was back in um when I was still living in the Philippines. So I was born in the Philippines and um and I I lived there till I I was like seven years old and then um and I remember with my little biking um there's this road that was basically um basically flocked by like all kinds of like stray dogs so like on either side. And, and I was like, you know, basically the dare was to speed through that road and, you know, hopefully try not to get bit <laughs> by any of the stray dogs. And, and it's funny that I went back to that time. 
um, where but that's freedom, though, there's, right? Yeah, there's freedom, and there's also like kind of living the edge <laughs> type of thing. So, you know, and yeah, and that was in the '80s. Like, you know, we didn't we uh, we didn't have a lot. Like, you know, I, I I definitely didn't have a lot. Like, you know, back then, but it was you know, and seeing uh, movie like you know shows like Stranger Things, you know, I can't help but relate to that. And uh, and when we didn't really know what stress really was, you know, or when we didn't really know what, like we we weren't so affected by what was happening around us, you know. And we have like well, adults used to protect you for that shit back then. Now I'm like complaining to my kids about Trump, and they're like, you know, barely teenagers, and I'm complaining to them. Like it's just <laughs> it's everywhere now. It's a constant assault. Let me ask you right. something else. As somebody who has a foot firmly planted in the 80s culture and planted in the futuristic culture and where it comes kind of full circle, one thing mm -hmm. I tell my daughter who just turned 13 is I truly believe, and I think Stephen Hawking and um, Elon Musk is with me on this, that sometime in her lifetime, maybe not my lifetime, but sometime in her lifetime, she will see some kind of AI or robot uprising. Do you feel like I'm nailing this or am I just thinking like dumb sci-fi terms? Because I do believe we're going to see some, like they're going to be like, well, we should have rights to and things like that. I feel like that's the next thing that's coming. I mean, it's, it, I mean, anything's possible, right? I mean, I, mean, <laughs> um, I, I believe like a lot of the sci-fi uh, like themes and like, you know, like all these things that we that we see in movies, there's some sort of like hidden truth to them, you know. And uh, I I think it's it's there's a high possibility. Yeah, I mean, with the way technology's going, the rate everything's moving, um, I, I can't I can't see why not. <laughs> and that's going to be a scary day. I don't know whose side I'd be on. I think I would be on our new robot overlord side. <laughs> I would just give up on humanity. Well, it just it, it seems cooler, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, I tend to sway towards that direction as well. Because I, I like the cold empirical out. logic of a robot. <laughs> right. You just get to the point, you know? It's like, you know, there's no drama, no bullshit. You just, you know, just straight up objective. That's it, you know, <laughs> you get direct answer. What a departure <laughs> that would be from today's culture. All right, let's talk about you. We've talked about robots in the past at 2XL. Let's talk about you before we dig into the music. Um, I did a little bit of research on your past. Of course, I know that you yeah. owned a highly successful shoe company. I hope I'm not butchering this last name. Ivy Kirstner shoe um, yes. global shoe company right and you guys had clients from j-lo to beyonce highly successful and i know you went to some kind of art institute like a fame type academy for college mm -hmm. couldn't find a whole lot beyond that do you want to reveal the secrets of your origin story were your parents creative types were they supportive of your art <laughs> kind of give us your origin story the lowdown there the, the origin story so um Okay, I well, I was going to Philippines, like I said, and I, I moved here at a very, very young age um, to New York City, and where um, basically my parents kind of gave me the lowdown that I had to like double down on like you know studying and basically trying to accomplish a lot more than like you know what I used to when I was growing up in the Philippines. So um, they, was it a pretty structured, you know, and disciplined household? 
trust on it they, they weren't so like crazy about stuff it's more like you know they did a just good job instilling certain values and principles you know right on. amongst me and my siblings so we were kind of all like we all developed some sort of like self-motivated like you know um qualities and so you know the at a young age I, I did the music lessons like you know i had um my, my father's an architect so he's uh that's how I kind of learned how to draw. He taught me all that. And um, throughout my, you know, young adulthood, um, I always had music and art kind of intertwined together. So, um, and also like academically, like, you know, getting good grades and all that stuff that was really important to my parents. So they were, they had an expectation and but I didn't mind kind of submitting myself to like all the discipline and like you know getting good grades like you know and also um accomplishing a lot artistically musically and then I for high school um actually before high school I was getting trained for Broadway um I started my Broadway training uh like you know let me interject real quick thing. here. When you say yeah. preparing for Broadway, was this your parents saying, hey, I'm going to get you into this program? Or was it like you saying, hey, I want to take this on? Like, how would how would someone pre-high school? Think um, I think it's more like my mother's dream. <laughs> but I was like, okay. I mean, I was still trying to find my own direction at that age. So it was more my mom's dream that I get into Broadway. So, um so she really invested in that. Uh, Did you feel comfortable in that space? Um, I yeah. I mean, I was. I learned so much, and I and I love you know the whole like drama thing, like the whole singing thing, dancing thing, and like you know, and I I, I had a good time, but you know, but I got to an age where, um, as I was you know basically lining up for auditions and um there was a, like, I had a moment um, somewhere when I was, like, around 14, 15, um, and I discovered rock music. <laughs> I discovered Nirvana. I discovered Nine Inch Nails, and I discovered basically all of this. Nine like, Inch Nails, that would do music. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I realized, like, you know, I, I don't know, it really resonated with me. That kind of music really resonated with me. And and Did that make you weird being into what they called back then industrial? Because I remember all my friends were headbangers, and I started listening to Skinny Puppy and Ministry and Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> and they couldn't, like <laughs> I was talking earlier, like they couldn't wrap their head around it. They are like, this band sounds like a pinball machine. Or this band, what, what is this crap you're listening yeah, well, to, dude? Well, for sure, like, I mean, for sure, I, I, I was kind of like a walking conundrum because, like, you know, um, from the outside, I look like I was trained and polished to, like, you know, I was basically, I, I could be typecast into, like, okay, this is, like, you know, a, 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 a student of Broadway. Perfectly you know, airbrushed. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then, yeah, and then, and then, but then internally, I'm like, no, like, there's this turmoil that was totally, um, totally brewing up inside. And, That's where and, the sweet uh, stuff happens. Like, and I guess, was, you know, it's a program for my age, like, you know, 14, 15, I mean, come on. <laughs> like, I think everyone goes through that. 
And um, and then you know one day I told my mom, you know I I I don't want to pursue Broadway anymore, and I want to. I want to play rock music and you know for sure she didn't understand it my dad was a little bit more well actually not a little bit he was a lot a lot cooler like he was he was like okay rock on you know and then the next day he bought me Sam Ash and then nice. he does he have a music background did he play in yeah he was he, yeah he played him yeah he played bands and like you know uh I think covered Elvis songs <laughs> I'm not entirely quite sure my father's like you know music history but he definitely played in bands he played the guitar he sang um so i guess he was able to relate and he kind of felt bad like you know there's this you know one of his daughters is going through like a certain like a certain phase or a certain moment and you know or a certain self-discovery per se and and he really came in full support and then um yeah and they started writing um rock music and then I went to, um, I got into high school. Um, uh, it's called LaGuardia High School. It's, it's um, you know, the movie Fame? I know so the movie Fame. The, yeah, so that, that was, that's my high school. And I got into both music and art. I decided to focus on art, even though I was kind of doing music on the side on my own at home. So I, that's how I basically started honing my, um, my artistic pursuits and my design pursuits um, in that school. And then for college, I got into shoe school, um, Fashion Institute of Technology, which is one of the best fashion schools in the country. And I did their shoe program um, because I thought it was, it was let me cool Let me stop balance. you right here when I hear the word yeah. shoe program. So you have like a master's in shoeology or something? There's an actual shoe program? Yeah, it's like a BA in shoes. Um, you can get a BA a, in shoes. <laughs> footwear design, yeah. Footwear accessories. Wow. It's similar to fashion, but it's a little bit more, um, there's a little bit more industrial engineering involved. Um, we're dealing with plastics, we're dealing with molds, we're de- dealing with um, a, a lot of things that are. Um, kind of like you know similar to toy design and car design which i thought was really really cool and, and are all your peers kind of the same or do some people want to make like the next reebok high top and some people want to make like the next i don't know prada like uh, classic yeah, yeah, like is it all over the all, spectrum yeah it, it, it definitely is and we all have varied interests but we all kind of have to learn to you know the same basic fundamentals of shoemaking and industrial design. Um, so I thought that was, that was really fun. And then uh, it, congruently, the whole time I was pursuing shoes and studying shoes, I was developing music. Like, you know, music kind of just became like my passion project. And I kind of just always kept that as a reserved passion project. Whereas as a career track, I like, you know, I, I knew that shoes and design and fashion would really create like a strong foundation and basis for me. So absolutely. Like, okay, Let me back and, up on the uh, shoe thing one more time. Cause you're, this yeah. is really preoccupying me. This is amazing to me. <laughs> what was your like thesis or final project? Did you have to actually create your own type of shoe and take it in to be judged? Oh yeah, we had to like yeah, shark tank to, or something. Um... <laughs> uh, kind of. Um, 
we have we had to build a collection for our um, final thesis, and yeah, and and so so FIT is a state university, and you know, very generous one at that, as a matter of fact, and they always. Um, you know, they push their, their own, um, especially the the young New Yorkers. And um, so Ooh. we have this this opportunity to present, like, you know, like, you know, our best game, you know, and show what we've learned. And my final thesis was, oh, my God, it was kind of complicated. It was like, it was a little bit of, like, uh, <laughs> it had a little bit of like Japanese cybertech elements to it, a little bit of like, you know, it, it was it was a big conundrum, but I gotta watch some YouTube well videos <laughs> about this world. This is amazing to me. So I, I assume yeah, you being an alumni that you've been asked to come back and, you know, kind of give keynote speeches and stuff, right? Being as successful as you are in that industry. I've I've been asked many times to come back. Um, like actually I, I'm I'm guilty of not providing any time as of yet to do a speech or do a talk or or some sort of like mentorship program with the school. But um that school was a lot of fun for sure. It it really was a lot of fun. Um then we were allowed to be, you know, as creative and as crazy and as innovative as we want, as long as we can execute it and I think at the end of the day that's that's what really matters that um you know you can dream up whatever you wanted to you know whatever you want but at the end of the day execution is really key so um so I thought that was really cool man this this is blowing my mind I'm just trying to picture it I'm just wondering how many kids in that school today know who you are and that you came from there like if I, I just wonder if your picture's hanging up there if anybody knows who you are <laughs> if they're like hey you know um Zarina was actually a student here I mean it has to be said right they would know who you are if you went back there I'm sure <laughs> I'm not sure about that but yeah I don't know <laughs> um but it, she was she was great I mean it's something that's definitely heavily ingrained um you know I got to uh, work for a lot of amazing companies actually and that really really taught me a lot and and, and I got to I, I felt like I had a really really lucky um, career track because I got close to a lot of people who were really um, like you know the movers and shakers of the entire uh, footwear industry and um, and that really empowered me to kind of venture out on my own I also started really young in the industry like I think I had my first job at 20 or 21 and then um by the time I before I turned 30 I kind of hit the design feeling and that's when I thought it was time to kind of just really test everything that I learned and go to the next level and that's when I started um, my own shoe company um, I really didn't know what I was doing at that time, but um, again, I got really lucky because I felt like I did something right. I addressed a certain void in in fashion footwear that was really missing in a big way, and you know things were either super commercial or super expensive, and there's this contemporary space that was really missing that was like high design yet at the same time relatively accessible um and that's how we captured um a lot of celebrities when we addressed that you know when um and and also through 
my designs, you can see that this is not just a shoe designer. There's a musician behind, you know, the designs. Um, I kind of was living my <laughs> my rock star <laughs> like dreams through footwear, and that's how we also captured like yeah celebrities like like J Lo, um, like Beyonce, you know, and uh, these big names because they're like you know they you know they they saw this girl trying to build shoes that um, they're a little bit more special. Um, but at the same time, it, it's geared towards a certain market um, tier that, you know, so it's a little bit more accessible. Um, so I thought that was a that was a really, really cool moment. Um, but you said again, something really important, too. And I got to interject here before I forget. You said that when you launched your shoe company, you didn't know what you were doing. And I have so many successful people, successful in a multitude of fields, because I've done a lot more than this music podcast. And 99% of them all say the same thing. I just went for it. I didn't know what I was doing. And I feel like anybody who's like, yeah, I did it when I was ready, and I totally nailed it out the gate. I feel like they're lying. I feel like nobody knows what they're doing when they take that plunge. And it's important that you just take the plunge and see where the journey takes you. Right. It, I think that, yeah, it takes bravery. I mean, you have to be brave and you kind of just have to be like, you know, like a gangster. <laughs> you just have to go in there. Um, you know, you can, you can devise all kinds of plans. You can devise like, you know, all kinds of models and any kind of structure, you know, you have this perfect image of what you think, like, you know, the business should look like and how it should run. But once you get in there, anything, anything can go wrong. And yeah, you can't prepare is. for everything. You can't prepare for everything, no matter how hard you work. And, you and know, I'm a guy who has contingency plans for his contingency plans, and I still can't prepare for <laughs> right. it. It's exactly, it's exactly like that. Like it's, it's how you described it. It's, um, it's, and one of the things I learned is um, kind of just like how to deal and how to um, put out fires and just try to maintain stability. And I think that's always like, you know, the key is, uh, you know, you, you, anything can go wrong. And it's just how you handle it is what really is going to define you. Um, so for the kids listening out there, would your advice be, and they always have that list, you see it online, of 10 things successful people do. And one of them, I, you know, you have to be adaptable, open to change. But one of them is you've got to push yourself out of that comfort zone. And I, feen, I find that to be one of the most key points that I always read on those little things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I is that what so. you would tell the kids? Just go for it and, you know, and Just don't. Just go for it. Yeah. The scarier, the better. The scarier, the better. That's always my motto. <laughs> so if I want to make wax wings and jump off a building, that's scary. I should do that then. Oh, well, I car is baby. Within reason. No, it's the sun. Here I go. <laughs> yeah. No, don't do that, kids. That was a joke. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Not in this litigious that. world. I had to put that disclaimer on in this ultra litigious world we live on. That was a joke. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk Sarina. How did the project come about? Um, what music projects led up to that? Or is this your first, what you would consider professional music project? Where do you put this on like the space-time I would, I, of your career? I would probably, 
this is probably my second professional project. The first one, um, I was in a progressive metal band for about seven years earlier on, like, you know, through my college years and basically uh, through my mid-20s. And um, so that was, that was really cool. That was, um, like, you know, when metal was still alive and, you know, a lot of, like, alternative rock and prog rock, was, um, a lot of that was still uh basically prevalent especially in new york and then um and then yeah and i took a break i took a i took a like a a nine or almost like a decade long um wow making music yeah and you know basically that's when i started my shoe company and kind of focused on fashion um and you know i had to learn like you know other things um that would i figured would help me later on with whatever project i you know uh, pursue. So, um, a couple of years ago, I basically decided to, uh, sell my company, sell my business. And, you know, cause I felt like I, you know, I, I did everything that I could to, you know, to, to a certain degree. And then I need, I needed bigger people, bigger people to kind of just help me propel it forward and so I, I sold it took a break um and just focus on what i want to do next and i went through like a massive life change um like i have a feeling that for a personality like yours taking a break did not mean you spent six months sitting on the couch eating ice cream <laughs> i have a feeling you had still had a thousand little projects going on as you were taking your and i'm putting this in air quotes break yeah, definitely was. yeah i i can't just like sit idly like i just i have to i i i don't know i i'm a workaholic and i have like a thousand ideas running through my head every day so i, I know just, that feeling i kind of had to like, just like figure out what my next steps are because i I, you know, there's that feeling where when I was doing and when I was when I was still doing shoes, I, you know, again, I, I peaked and I reached the ceiling and um, I did what I can and everything and everything already. And, I've and I'm very, very happy with my accomplishments over there. But what's, you know, what's the next stop? And, and I can't help but think about music again. And I felt like there, that was that huge piece of my life that was missing um, after taking, like, you know, 10 years just focusing on fashion and design. I was like, you know, I really knew that was the musical side. And but plus for A-type personalities, too, I feel like I was the kind of guy who always had a bunch. I've worn a lot of different hats in my life. And I, I remember one time I threw this huge festival, three-day festival. I run out a whole beach resort and made, threw this sick mm -hmm. concert. And people are like, are you having a good time? And I was like, I can't have a good time. I'll have a good time when I look at the pictures of this and think about right. it. In the future, I can't have a good time while it's going on because there's too many moving parts. But the only time I had ever been able to be in the moment was when I was on stage. I, like, I was never on stage playing in my band going, I, I'm thinking about band stuff. I'll just watch the video of this. Like, that's the only time I ever could exist in the moment. The rest of the time, it's like, I have to make sure everything's still rolling ahead. Right, right, exactly. So, um, and it was a bad move for me to kind of just like, okay, okay, I'm going to stop music for 10 years. And, and I felt like that was like 
those, that really was my biggest mistake. And um, so it, it kind of led to a personal crisis, actually. And, you know, kind of like, oh, like, you know, questioning, who am I? <laughs> Did it make you insecure and, about coming back? Like, maybe I've been off the, like, horse too long to get back on. I won't be able to do this. Or it's been 10 I, years. I actually, no, I actually, I, I didn't feel insecure at all. I actually felt really empowered. I felt like, you know, I was like, oh man, okay. I started a, a shoe business and brought it up to grandiose levels. And I'm like, okay, if I could do that, I could do that again um, with something else. And at this time, something that's a little bit more personal and music is, is super personal to me. Um, it's a little bit more precious. So I, I actually felt really empowered to kind of repeat the same form of success that I had with design and see how I can fit it into music. Um, you know, bringing music like a business, the same, the same principles, the same structure. What a switch in perspective. Does, does it feel more freeing yeah. this time around, the second time around, because you're more experienced, you have more confidence? Or was Definitely. there a certain freedom back then because it was no holds bar? No, I, I think it's definitely freeing this time. And, you know, there's something about being a little older, um, you know, a lot more experience and going through, like, several several phases of life and, you know, chapters and all of that. It's just, it really helped build, like, uh, the perspective and, um, you yeah, know, the confidence, really, to to do something like music and you know I'm, I'm in my I'm in my 30s and I'm competing with kids who are like okay they're like 18, 19, 20 you know but I guess it doesn't matter um, it, you know it's just something that I really want to do and, and it's something that um, I feel it, it, it I need to justify it you know otherwise it's going to make me go crazy <laughs> But I imagine you have a lot more stable support system just in that music circle. If it's anything like most people in their 20s, when I was in a punk band, even Steven in my 20s, like those guys, I, I had to pull their hair to get them to come to band practice. Like I had no support system in that community because we were all so young and stupid. So I have to imagine now working with such professionals and having your husband by your side that the support system has to allow you a lot more freedom too, right? Yeah, I, I, I definitely feel very lucky. Um, definitely this uh, community that I belong to, uh, everyone's super supportive, everyone's super cool. Um, and it, it's good to have that. And I feel like we're all kind of looking for that too um, from each other. And we're all like willing to, to offer the same support, you know. And, and what's really cool is that it's global. Um, that's the beauty of the internet is that we're all kind of, we're all from different places, yet we're all connected, um, primarily because of this particular music scene. But as being where we're at politically and culturally, does that kind of turn up the heat and turn up the stress level? Or are you able to put all that aside and tune that out and just focus on the music? Or does it bleed in everything else like it does to me? Um I I think in the beginning uh, it, it it had a tendency to bleed into a lot of things that um, that I was doing, and you know, it, you know. But I kind of had to 
make a conscious decision to not let any of that kind of affect me um, because I think right now, I think the, the beautiful thing about music is that I think it is the one thing that we have or one one of the few things that we have that can still tie everyone together and, you know, and unite everyone regardless, you know, and uh, for sure, uh, we, I come across people who have different you know, political beings and, you know, and, um, but at the same time, it's, I think this is also beautiful about music is that, you know, we tend to put a disregard or put a pause for all of that stuff for now and kind of just enjoy the art. Um, so I've, I've, been, I've been trying, <laughs> trying to kind of just set all, all the politics aside and, um, you know, and hopefully I can use my musical platform as a way to kind of just help unite people who are at least part of like, you know, unifying element, you know. Um, I think that's what's really important right now. But it's hard for creative entities who have a voice and that are passionate, and I struggle with this constantly, to not just make everything political. I mean, I had to beat back the urge to have even these kind of conversations on the music show because a solid 20% of the audience would just hear this short conversation and be like, well, done with that show. So it, it's right. very hard, but then again, you're negligent if you don't ever say anything because then it's you know in right. my book, silence equals compliance, and I don't want people to think I don't stand for anything. But the especially the online world, the social media world, so toxic, it's almost a zero like a net zero game, a zero sum game to say anything because there's there's absolutely no chance on Facebook, at least has been my experience for movement. You're not going to move anybody on Facebook, so why even bother? Right. Right. And it's, you know, I've got, I engage in a lot of political discussions <laughs> on my Facebook, even though I, I, I try to I try to avoid it. I, I try not to, like, you know, create any arguments or anything. But um, between my experience and in business and commerce, and, and, and mind you, it's, it's, it's not even like a local commerce like you know i was engaged in global business right and how a lot of you know a lot of that you know uh, a lot of what's happening actually has an impact on global business right now like you're talking about the china tariffs and trade wars and all that um i can only offer my my knowledge and you know Let's say what happens if if we get A, how does that affect B, C, D, E, F, G? You know, and a lot of my communication has been around those kinds of topics. Where like you know, listen, this is what I know. I hope you can trust. But a lot a lot of my conversations have become like that. I'm like you know, it's, I've kind of given up on like trying to. Yeah, um, and um, I put something the people, other day. And I was like, you know, to me, politics online is I have an opinion about something I have zero control over, especially where I live. I live in Tennessee, where Democrats don't even run for office in my county. 
most people run unopposed <laughs> in the county I live in. It's so it's a small mountain town. So I have no say, but it's like I have an opinion on something that I have no control over. And then people blame me for the outcome and not the people in charge. It would right. be like me saying, I think Dallas is going to beat Detroit next week in the game. And then when you lose $50 on the game, you key my car because you blame me. Like right. it's just so right. pointless that that an opinion. I used to have arguments with people when I'd say something about I don't know, like Ted Cruz, and they'd flip out. I was like, "Is Ted Cruz your uncle? Like, why are you taking this so? <laughs> are you like I hear you defend Ted Cruz more than you defend your wife? Like, why are you taking right. it so personally? Ted Cruz doesn't care about you. Uh, you know, right. like the guys that I'm into don't care. Like the politicians that I back." don't care about me on a personal level. Like they wouldn't let me 10 bucks if I bumped into it with the mall or something. I mean, so it, it just got to a, a very pointless place. Let me shift gears here. Cause we don't have a lot of time left and I want to talk more sure. band stuff with you as a, and I'm going to totally shift gears here as a huge sci-fi comic book nerd. I was excited to hear about your electronic musical slash graphic novel. I don't know how much <laughs> you could talk about Starcross, the interstellar saga, um, I don't know how much you could talk about it, what you could tell us about, or if you even have a release date yet. But tell us what you can. I'm interested. Well, it's it's okay. Starcross is um, basically a a big collaboration between me and this producer from Italy named Chris Kia, who is a very very talented electronic and dark synth musician. Um, and also Deadly Kawaii, my husband. And we got together to, actually it was, it, it started as, as a single. Um, Chris came up to me, showed me a piece of composition and, and asked me to collaborate with him. And then he was like, I, I, I think you can do some guitar riffs or vocals or whatnot, but just take it to like, you know, whatever level. And then as I listened to it, I was like, oh, man, this this is this rocks. This is really awesome. Um, it kind of reminds me of, like, you know, the intro themes to, like, the Japanese animes that I grew up watching. <laughs> so my mind kind of just, like, started racing. I was like, it would be really cool if we make this song um, conceptual and make it around... Um, mecha robots and or mecha pilots and and give it like a sci-fi theme and um and a storyline and so we started writing the lyrics or i started writing the lyrics and we started writing the the voiceovers for the theatrical version so there's a theatrical version of this song called in the line of fire um right music vocals and the voice, yeah, voiceovers with like you know me and Deadly Kawaii acting all the parts, and oh, that's you guys. You know, <laughs> yeah, it was me and yeah, me and Deadly Kawaii, and it was, and it turned out super cool to the point that we were like, okay, you know what, we need to take this to the next level, and then um, so Chris started writing some more compositions and started sending me a like you know a lot of the stuff that he's arranged and then I start building on it. And then next thing you know, we've actually created a fleshed out story through songs. And um, so far we have about 10 or 11 tracks ready. Wow. And then, um, and then the car and I decided to take it to the next level. And we're like, okay, you know what? 
we have the characters, we have the, the basic gist of the storyline while we just develop this into a graphic novel. So I started writing the actual story and then because I started putting together all the character designs, character profiles, landscapes, like, you know, everything. We started building the universe um, around this particular project. That is a and, huge um, undertaking, though. It, it it really is. And it's, um you know, and for sure, we're like, oh, we're way in over. <laughs> yeah, this. right. Like, I mean. <laughs> but we kind of do it. Um, we, it, I... I wanted to do something that, you know, um, that's not just for adults, like, you know, kind of like an all ages type of thing. And with cool music, you know, we, I mean, one hand we got Disney and Pixar doing a lot of the fun, cool kid stuff. And then the other hand, we got like some serious, like, you know, adult geared sci-fi type of uh, movies and like, you know, and, production right um but we're like okay what's the where's that cool space like you know for a younger audience who's kind of kind of coming out of their childhood and entering adulthood and they're trying to get into like or they're starting to get into like cooler music and you know uh like you know uh, a, a different type of like um what do you call it uh Kind of like, I was thinking of like the girls who like Twilight, like that kind of age. Just think 40 years from now, there'll be people reminiscing about your music. And they're like, I just want to go to a simpler time before the robot wars and listen to some Zorina. But but, yeah, that was like the whole basis of the project. And uh, we're okay. And we're like, okay, let's do it. And it got to the point that... um, a couple of uh, Hollywood producers actually have heard about it and we're in talks with one or two about like, okay, where do we take this? You know? So we'll see. We're still in the talks. I'm not, I don't want to say anything yet, but, um, but we definitely have grand, really, really grand ambitions for this particular project. (laughs) And, you know, I get into situations myself, of course, you're a lot more accomplished than I am where I'm worried about my grasp exceeding my reach and this is such an undertaking on top of everything else. Do you ever worry that you're taking on too much? Because I had to kind of scale back because I do have a day job, too. And I had to kind of scale back because I was doing like four different types of podcasts and running a podcast network and all this stuff. Do you worry about having your focus just like a prism that's split into a thousand different directions? Or are you so good at multitasking you don't even worry about those things? I, yeah, I think um, I do pride myself for being a good multitasker um i i i kind of i don't know maybe it's 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 because i used to run a business and i kind of am used to just handling larger things and um and i try to quote unquote work smart you know and it's um and yeah yes i i do have a tendency to really stretch my bandwidth <laughs> ah, absolute max i definitely do but but also like you know it's not like we're we're not without help you know we do outsource we you know if if it's too much we do have a network of talents and comrades you know who are all doing the same thing that we could tap into i'm like okay hey can you 
can you help me out with this? Da, 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 da. Like, you know, can I hire you? Can you consult? Like, you know, there are, there are ways of going about it, but, you know, but what really, really drives me is, um, it's a grander vision. And to me, that's really the most important thing. And, um, just keeping, like, you know, keeping a certain focus on the bigger picture. I feel that's, that's what's really, that's what helps me execute, like, you know, all the little parts um, and all the minute details. And, and yes, if I need help, I'm, I'm definitely not shy about asking help. <laughs> Do you feel like slow and steady wins the race? And right now you're kind of at an even kill of where you're going to be career-wise from now until the end? Or do you feel like you're going to look back at this time period in your career 20 years from now and go, God, I can't believe like where I was back then compared to today. Do you see yourself accelerating into insane heights or are you just kind of good being steady where you are? I think I'm just being steady where I am. I mean, it's there's definitely, there's definitely a certain level of pressure for sure because, you know, it's, younger and you know i feel like i feel like there is a time limit but at the same time i tell myself those are just you know those are just illusions you know there's nothing nothing should really be stopping me or stopping anyone from doing what they feel like they really need to do and they should take absolutely as much time as they want and they you know as much time as they want and they really should just Invest the time, the appropriate amount of time, towards executing what you need to execute the proper way. Um, I was I was just looking at Jennifer Lopez, right, and I was like, oh my god, this woman just turned fifty, and she is fire. Like, you know, it's she's doing it, and she she looks amazing. She looks more amazing than ever, and she's fifty. <laughs> And but I'm like, okay. It's so <laughs> easy. It's kind of like how poor people have a tendency, like really poverty-stricken people have a tendency of actually spending more money on the maintain than people who have money because people who have money have a support system and you know they can go to the dentist today and not put it off for six months until it gets worse and all those types of things. And I feel like at her level of success, she is positioned in such a great place that she can keep going and doing things because she has such a strong foundation. And then it's harder for people, I think, that are farther down the line to do things because then it's like I have, I'll sit here and grind stuff out for years and not get mm. to where I want to be, not even get into the universe I want to be in. So then it's kind of like, well, why am I doing this? I'm just grinding it out in the same place every single day. What can I change? And I'm always trying to change things up. But I think if you've already been at a level of success, you have such a better foundation. It's kind of easier to rebound because you're already starting. Even if you burn it all down and start over again, just mentality-wise, just experience-wise, you're already starting at a higher plateau. So I think successful but, people really have that going for them. But also successful people who have a strong amount of passion. That oh, you got to have passion. Yep. You got to have passion. I feel like I feel like it doesn't really matter where you are, you know, where you come from. Like, you know, it's I, I, I've and I've seen it many times. Like, you know, I've seen people really turn everything for themselves around just because of they just have this 
incredible amount of passion and and that's that's their fuel and i think as long as you have that i feel like oh my god you can you can do whatever you want you, you nothing is impossible and you got to have faith in yourself and in the and more importantly i think in the work yeah, in the project i mean i used to tell my band hey if i had a crystal ball you believed it a thousand percent and i showed us in the band like living out our dream whatever that may be to you you would come to band practice every day because you're like, oh, I already made it. Like, I just have to connect yeah. the dots to get there. But yeah. it's your lack of faith that you're going to make it that goes, well, I'm only going to put 50% into this because it's probably going to end up not working out anyways. So, I mean, you really cut your legs out from under yourself when you don't have that commitment. You just got to have that commitment and just keep grinding in a way. And, you know, if I die grind, I always say I'd rather be a failure than a loser. Like, I'd rather be someone who just failed a thousand times and just never got up and tried. So yeah. I think you just have to have that attitude of just keep grinding it out. And, you know, persistence um, overcomes resistance. At some point, you're going to erode that fucking rock and you're going to seize right. the day. And I mean, at least that's how I look at it. Although it hasn't worked yet for me. That's, that's still what I'm doing now. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's play a song. And then I, we got to come back and get you out of here because we're almost on the nine o'clock hour. I'm going to play some parallel lines from the album Painted Holograms. Is there anything you want to tell us about this song before D hits that magical button? Oh, parallel lines is about twin flame love. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever look up twin flames, but I'm all about twin flame love. <laughs> right on. Um, do you, when you go into these projects, do you have an idea of what it's going to look like at the finish or is everything just so organic? You're like, Hey, I'm just going to let this journey takes me, take me where it takes me. Or are you very structured and you're like, I know exactly where I want to go with this at the beginning of the process. I think, um, it, I, for sure it happens both ways for me. Like, um, there are times when I'm like, okay, I know exactly how this is going to end up and how it should sound or look like, um, or, you know what, let's experiment, let's jam on a few things and let's see where it takes us. And I feel like either way, I've, I've found success in both, you know, so yeah, I, I think it's a point. <laughs> right on. Hey D, are you ready to play some parallel lines?
All righty, we are back. Um, we're going to get you out of here, but I want to ask you a couple more quick things, if you will indulge me for a moment. Sure. I've heard your music called everything from retro, futuristic, synth, to cyberpunk, to synthwave. Do you have any use for labels, or do you care how the music is labeled as long as it's connecting with people? Or do you have a particular way you want things to be seen, or do you just not even pay attention? I, mean, I think I've even seen steampunk applied to your music. Do you care <laughs> about these kind of uh, labels at all? No, I don't. Me personally, I don't really care about the labels, to be honest. Because you do um, cross a I lot think, of genres, and you are open to all. Yeah, I'm very open to all, and I feel like, you know, everything is so... I mean, there's so many different taste levels going on, like, you know, in this world. Like, you know, I feel like it doesn't matter as long as... As long as you're writing good music, and I feel like, and that's that's always my philosophy is um, write good music, write you know good lyrics, nice melodies, and you can almost design it into any genre. You know what I mean? Like you can take a good song and rearrange it so it sounds like a really really cool. I don't know, new hip hop track. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I, I'm not really, uh, I'm not so genre conscious, even though I started with synth-based music. Um, I just believe in writing good songs. <laughs> yeah, and that shines through. And like I said, I, I don't have any expectation. I know you have a new album coming out. Is it coming out this year? No, it's coming out next year. Uh, next time. Next year, and um, I I have no idea what to expect because your music is so open and it is so genre shattering that I would hate to even put a label on it. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I'll take that as a compliment for sure. Oh, it's absolutely um, a compliment that you don't <laughs> allow yourself to get pigeonholed because once you do, and it's like, well, now I have to start making music that fits into this box, and I am not a fit into a box person at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you know it feels good and makes people happy and people can relate, you know, I feel like it really doesn't matter what genre it sounds like. It could be. It could be anything, for sure. Right on. All right. Well, let's get you out of here. I want to thank you for calling in tonight and spending an hour conversing about all kinds of wonderful things. Uh, before you go, I know you have a show coming up soon, right? Did I read on yes. your page that you got a big show coming up? And you don't do a whole lot of shows, I think the post said. Yeah, no, I don't do a lot of shows. I probably play only maybe four or five times a year. And next week, September 11th, at the Ding Factory, I am playing a show with two big headliners who are big international stars in this point scene named Nina Parallels. And I'm also playing with... Um, this Italo disco um, synthwave duo called Bunny X, who are also from New York. So it should be an exciting time. Have you played the Knitting Factory before? Because I keep hearing about it and I've never been there. Yeah, I did actually have my debut performance there when I released my record last year. And, it must be um, an amazing yeah. club because I keep a lot it's, of people I know play there. Yeah. I, it's definitely my favorite venue in New York so far. Um, sounds great, you know, and, you know, I think it also is a, 
it, it's like the right size, you know, it's, it's not super enormous, not super small either. I mean, New York clubs are basically notorious for being tiny, but this one's a really, really good size venue. And it, but, but the sound is amazing. Like, I love playing at that venue, for sure. Right on. All right. Um, before you go out the door, please tell everybody where we can find you all along the digital landscape online. Where can we find you online? Online, well, there's my official website, which is zarinaofficial.com. And Zarina is spelled C-Z-A-R-I-N-A, and official.com. And um, on Instagram, I'm Zarina Official. <laughs> and on Twitter, I am Zarina NYC. So those are the best places for people to find me. Right on. And we are going to end with your latest track, Till the Last Star. Anything you want to tell us about this before we leave? Um, Till the Last Star is um, my first real love song. And it's definitely a very, very personal one. So I hope everyone enjoys it. <laughs> Do you play it a lot live? Do I? I'm, I'm actually going to debut the live performance for to the last star next week so nice yeah. <laughs> is that very emotional it being such a personal song or are you so encapsulated with the music you can kind of step outside of that it's it's actually very emotional like i've i'm gonna be honest i've broken down a couple of times during rehearsal while singing this song so wow <laughs> Well, yeah, it's not an easy song when, and, you know, when it's something that's really written uh, from the deepest recesses of my heart. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> well, that should connect with the audience then. <laughs> I hope so. It's, I it's think that's the kind of also, stuff that always does. It's also one of my favorite songs. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, good luck at the show, and I want to thank you again for calling in, and we will talk to everybody soon. All right. Thank you so much for having me. All righty, guys. We are out of here. We will be back next week with Pale Wolf. Good night. Good night.